Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we are enhancing your full stack of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Now, today, I'm actually going to pull the wool from underneath Charlie, and I'm going to ask him some very pointed questions around what are going to be your biggest financial regrets, Charlie? So, I'm going to give you a disclaimer length to think about it. Now, if you want to share yours, comment below this video or head over to the Facebook group, which is called Full Stack Business Owner Community. Share your thoughts and actually tell each of us who actually has felt the more pain in their financial regrets. Now, before we get started, Charlie, you got 30 seconds. Let's cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Charlie, I figure that you would have these things right in the front of your mind. Why? Because they are the regrettable dumb tax that you have lived through, I have lived through, and I'm going to say to you, you're going to have to share three of them. So I don't mind if it was financial, I don't mind if it was an opportunity lost, whatever it is, it can relate to anything. I just want you to share to everybody, what are your biggest regrets? And for anyone listening to this, if you have financial regrets, comment below or in the Facebook group because I would love to hear them just so I don't feel so bad about mine. <laughs> so, Charlie, you got anything for us? Do you know what? I remember doing a training by uh, Keith Cunningham and I think you've done the same training and he does this exercise at the start of the training where he talks about the idea of um, all my problems started out as a good idea. Yes. And I, I love that quote. I think it's a great quote because if you look to uh, your business or your wealth or any area you're experiencing challenge, the things you're currently doing at some point you thought were a good idea and you agreed to. Like you actually said yes to this. In right? hindsight, you're like, just like, damn. <laughs> and then the second part of that exercise is he goes, if, if you don't believe me, um, he goes, if you could take back any three financial moves you've made. So your worst three financial moves, if you could take them back, where would your wealth be today? And it gets you to actually do the exercise. Now, most people kind of surface this one and go, oh, you know, maybe I'd have an extra, uh, you know, 100 grand or something like that, which I'm not saying isn't significant, but over a lifetime, it's pretty inconsequential. But when I did the maths on this and really like sat with it, I was like, right, making silly decisions and the compounded impacts of them is huge. Because let's pretend you do make a $100,000 mistake. It's not just $100,000. It's like, well, if you put that into something else, what would that have compounded at? So if I lost a hundred grand uh, 10 years ago and instead I didn't lose that and put it in, or maybe I bought a house, what would I have today? And it's that differential that I think really like had an impact on me. And it actually fundamentally changed the way I do business because I am much more strategic and thoughtful and like thinking of like second order consequences today than I was back there where I was like, oh, cool, just make mistakes and move on. You know, just spray it against the wall. You'll be right. And I'm like, you know, you learn, learn. What is it? Um, is that failure. book? No, the Lean Startup, the oh, Lean Startup yeah. methodology where it's just like, you know, this loop of try, fail, improve. Yep. And I'm like, I really feel like there's some tweaks that could be made to this where it's like, do some research, speak to people who have done it, model what works elsewhere, try those things, not just random stuff. Get really good data before you try and improve things so at least you're not making emotional decisions. 
So some little tweaks on that book might have an impact. I was going to say, I think, I can't remember who I spoke to. They once said that learning by failing is the most inefficient and costly way to improve yourself. But going and learning from other people and talking to people and actually getting them to share, well, what did you do? Why did you avoid different things is actually a better way to learn. However, we all go through this pain though, Charlie. We aren't perfect. I have felt this. You have felt this. And it's always interesting, like uh, Keith Cunningham, I love that you brought him up, has this concept about like thinking time. And when I was looking at this topic and I was going, okay, what thinking times have I ran in the past where I've just really kicked myself (laughs) and it wasn't hard to go and find these things of going, okay, yep, this, this is pretty obvious. Because I think too many people, and the reason I bring that up, is too many people don't stop and think, right? Even if you invested, to your point, $100,000 and you made $200,000, the opportunity cost of other things that you could have invested the same $100,000 in that could have made a million dollars is also something that you have lost against. It's just opportunity cost, right? You just know. And so I think a big takeaway as we step into this for people listening is like, don't just reflect on the things that have lost you money. It's also the opportunity that you could have done with it. And it's not just the FOMO of, oh, if only I got into Bitcoin at 100 bucks, Charlie. I reckon I would be in a very different spot than I would be now. It's other things that you have got involved in that were opportunities right in front. So without further ado, Charlie, you want to dive into your very first kick in the teeth? I mean, financial regret. All right. All right. So I've got, I've got, I picked three from different areas of my life. And uh, the first one I actually want to start with is a business one. So uh, I'll, I'll, I want to. Ha- I think we should share some stories with these for each of them to make. Uh, mostly because I want to justify why I thought it was a good idea before everyone like boots me. Um, <laughs> so I don't feel like such an idiot. Like, <laughs> okay. So why do you imagine like uh, I'm running a marketing agency and we're doing like ten thousand dollars a month at this stage, and I have one employee. And to be fair, that was like significant money for me at this point. I like actually f- felt like I was finding some form of success in life. And then what happened is I uh, managed to pull off a really good joint venture. And what I'd actually done is I'd uh, done a joint venture with someone who had a lot of trust in the marketplace. And I said to that person, I'm like, hey, I'm going to work for you for free for a month. I'm going to do this thing for you. But then what I want you to do after it is share the results. So I did this really ballsy offer of like, you know, like you get something for nothing. I just, you know, I don't want you to pay me. I just want, you know, help with a testimonial and sharing it with your audience which was like a bit of a move back then. Still probably work today, by the way. Probably still would, you're right. Yeah, so what I had essentially identified is like they had a really good offer and like they just weren't marketing it well. So I loaded them up with Facebook ads and it popped. And to the point, it did so well that they ended up saying, well, we don't want this to stop. I want to be your client as well. So I ended up picking up them as a client. (laughs) They made a video testimonial with me I then uh, took that testimonial, ran the testimonial as an ad to the audience and they promoted it on email. And I was like, all right, I've just cracked a winner. My calendar's like filling up with like sales calls and people who wanted to do this thing, right? I've hit a home run. Guess how inflated my ego got on that. Side story for another day. (laughs) Explains a lot, Charlie. Explains a lot. So I've got this little agency here that was doing 10 grand a month and in the space of like, let's say two months, we went from that from to like maybe like 80 grand a month. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like hugely rapid growth, incredibly rapid growth. And um, 
I was looking at this and like had heard the idea of like, you know, cool, you're getting cash up front. So like you've got a cash flow positive cycle. Don't worry about it. Just hire into it because you're getting money before you do the work. You can always work out how to do the work. Yep. Or, or when I say work out, it's like you can hire people and, you know, all to the rest solve of solve the problem. Yep. Yeah. But the challenge that where this got disastrous and why it was a huge financial mistake was that because I'd taken on so many people so quickly, even though I was getting money up front, it wasn't huge. I think it was like uh, $1,000 up front for setup and all the rest of them. The problem that I ran into is I needed to hire this entire team quickly. To deliver. To deliver it. Yeah. And uh, keep in mind, not experienced in growing team like I am today. So I went out and I hired these people and like I wasn't necessarily well equipped with hiring offshore or using contractors either. So I hired some local staff and some overseas staff and got all these tools and got all this software. And then what happened is just all the cash just went like a vacuum. So I'm thinking like, you know, on paper, we're doing really well. Like, look at this, like we've got, we've gone from 10 grand to like 80 grand a month really quickly. Uh, And we actually ended up even the following months getting up to like a hundred grand a month. But then because of the employees I had to hire so quickly who needed to be paid and you do all the stuff that goes with them, set them up, computers, software, all the rest of it. I literally couldn't pay myself for almost 12 months. I had to dig into our savings to float the cash flow of the business. Bianca was um, working at the time and literally we were using her salary to pay team and keep the, keep the business running. So here's me um, like initially feeling uh, so, so like, you know, I'm winning, I'm successful. This is all going well to like, I feel like an absolute fraud. Like everyone thinks I'm killing it and I'm this, you know, success story in agency world in the, you know, places I hang out because I was telling everyone, like, look what I've done. Ego for the yeah. win. And then on the other side of it, I'm like, yeah, but um, I can't pay for dinner. I like, I can't even go to McDonald's. Would you like to come over and we can have toast? Like that's, <laughs> toast it was really bad. Like it was like, I was like struggling with this cash suck and like, I, I just, it was a huge mistake. Like the, I should have been way smarter in how I approached that. That rapid growth was a horrendous idea, an absolutely horrendous idea. I think a lot of people listening to this would completely relate to that where they've probably had a point where they've scaled so quick or they've recruited too many people at a point in time that has impacted their ability to extract their own profits out or their own salary out or foregone some of that stuff. I am curious, like now that you've got the wealth of experience and knowledge that you have now in business – if you go went back in time with what knowledge you have now, do you think that you could have like perfected that or d- delivered that where you would have made profit and actually scaled that appropriately? Or do you think that that was pricing and all those kind of things and it was it was insolvable anyway? Yeah, so there's probably a deeper financial mistake in that. I did pricing based on what was for the 10 grand a month agency, not the big agency. Mm. So it's like I didn't have middle, man- middle management or like – all the tools and stuff we need, like I was doing some of the work. So I think a lot of businesses go through like pricing when you're small doesn't work as pricing when you're bigger. If I was to go back in time, what I probably would have done, let's pretend I was selling like a $1,000 a month retainer at the time. I should have been selling it at like $1,500 or $2,000 yep. and then either charging a bigger setup fee or um, staging people out to have cash flow come in in a better way. So if I was doing like, let's say I was onboarding uh, five clients a month, it might have been more. I can't really actually remember. It was like a very, very um, hectic time. Um, I should have just done like two a month and like done like a, a what would you call it? Yeah, staged it way better. Like we didn't need to do it over two months. We could have done it over six months 
or 12 months and like actually being far more prof- profitable. And when I say profitable, I mean like the cash cycle of being able to produce cash because um, profit was still there. It was just that the cash cycle was killing this business. And the repercussions of that is like I couldn't pay myself. I couldn't invest in growth. We had to do a lot of things in a compromised way just because of the endeavors of that decision. That's Oppet- not to mention. Not to mention the stress on yourself, like in the pressure you would have gone under. Well, if anyone looks back at my social media, uh, like goes back to that time, like I had hair, like I had a lot more hair. <laughs> the stress, Charlie. The, 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 no, grass doesn't grow on a busy street, Charlie. So, but did it all work out in the end or was like that was like the end of the agency? Like I, I want to hear the end of the story now. Like you pulled me in. Like what happened? It's not a bad story, right? I think it's a, an interesting one. I, I find this story so interesting because like when I watch people like chasing rapid growth today, I'm like, you don't know what comes with it. You, you, you have not wins. experienced it. It's um, when you've had it, you're like, oh, slow growth is awesome. I like steady. Predictable. Like predictable. And hasn't that shaped the rest of my business journey? Like – yeah. It's really fascinating um, today is like I don't chase that growth. But anyway, I won't say digressed in that. Eventually, we got through it. Like it yes. just was a um, – and that was early on in the agency. So many good years came after that as well. Um, and I will say that it's like we ha- we kept a lot of those clients the entire time we were at the agency That's because awesome. I was unwilling to um, – I was unwilling to let any quality drop. The solution to my problem was, Charlie, you now work 100 hours a week. Yeah. Um, I I was jumping in and saving the day and all the rest of it and we got through it. Like we did digest that challenge. Missed a ton of opportunities across being able to not do anything else though. But I mean, it's hard to be upset because eventually we did turn a really good profit eventually, but it was not the smart way to do it. Now, if I redid it, I think I probably left a few hundred thousand dollars on the table in that year through not understanding these like principles of like rapid growth versus slower growth, cash flow cycles, positive and negative. Like it, it did cost in those ways where I looked at it and say, we could have done a much better job. Yeah. And I, I'd argue you've applied that to every business that you have run since, but also how you've operated that business after that situation happened too. So yeah, I, I actually would argue that like, yes, it impacted you financially, but on in hindsight, it's actually made you a well-rounded business owner because if you didn't have that pain, you might have learned that later on and it might have had a bigger impact, a more negative impact and all those kind of things. Do you want to know the thing I take from it the most? It's not even the financial aspect. Like it clearly was a financial disaster. That period showed me what I was really capable of. Oh, I didn't know the version of Charlie that could go to that level existed. Like, like eating glass at a level that was just – Huge glass, eating glass, drinking glass, it, it, just all shards of glass. Yeah, <laughs> why not? And inter- you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna move one of mine up just because it's very similar to yours. So my first one, and it's kind of split into two parts because I did the same thing like twice. So one of the software companies that I started, um, I invested six figures at the, at the start, which has worked out to be very well financially at the moment. Um, but I also started working in it for two years without salary. And it was probably just under two years, um, but we'll round up to two years, which meant that I was putting in six figures of cash and I was paying for my living expenses at the time in order for me to build this software company from like the ground up. And so like I had- Can I just ask you a question on that? 
Uh, first off, we should have put a vacuum sound effects on our uh, <laughs> tools here because I can I can hear the cash in the in hindsight. But feel the pain in my voice. At that point, did you feel really good about that decision? Like, did you actually so, feel like you were almost like laying a sacrifice to your success, like playing this delayed gratification game? This was it's interesting. There have been many seasons of Grant in business, um, to which I know you and I were friends through uh, quite a few of these. Uh, so I had I did very well through a digital agency and uh, I was living overseas and I'd had like little investments that had done quite well, but it was, I called it like the drunken, drunken existence, not because I was drunk, like I was working like every single day, but I was reading, I was going to the gym, I was doing yoga, I was going to the beach, I was doing all of these things that most people dream of. So you had the lifestyle right. everyone's I'd, going for. Got I it. had the lifestyle and I lived it for, for years. You don't sound like an asshole at all right now, continue. <laughs> but the problem was... I get to a point where I'm like, this digital agency ain't going to create a legacy. Like, I'm not going to like say, hey, kids, check this thing out. I'm doing like SEO and websites and stuff for people. I'm like, this is this is like a means to an end. This is to unlock better doors, to do better things. And at the time, I read a lot of philosophy books and a lot of like stoicism and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I need my legacy play. I need that next thing. So I actually ended up selling a lot of my businesses in order for me to go into like a better legacy play. And so I reached out to my network and I said, hey, look, I'm looking to sink my teeth into something like, and just go whole hog on this thing. Um, and that was the company. And so I was trying to run an agency at a smaller scale and this at the same time. So pulling profits to basically pay for the investments into this. And it just wouldn't work out. So then like I lost clients because I wasn't servicing them. And then essentially I just closed it. And it was just like me and this like software business and like a decent bank account that was just depleting over and over and over again uh, until it got to a point where uh, they were generating revenue, we raised money, um, happy days and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's another story for another day. But it got to a point a couple of years later where uh, we'd raised money. We, uh, the CEO at the time, so I was in the, in the business in leadership role, just not the CEO at the time. Uh, and he had sort of not managed finances very well, hadn't scaled very well. And myself and one of my co-founders had to step back in. And so um, it's, and this is a big story for another day, uh, but essentially we right-sized the organization. We did a lot of things that a lot of all, uh, entrepreneurs and business owners would struggle to do. And it was like, it was dark days. Um, and so we stepped back in the business. We didn't pay ourselves a salary for about 12 months just to get this thing back on its feet back to profitable, back to scaling. Um, but that was at a time when I was like looking at other things, doing like other businesses, investing in other other products. And I had to stop to step back in. <laughs> and I knew I was stepping into some pain. I just did not know how much pain that was going to be. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And so that went for, yeah, about 12 months. I was working Monday to Saturday. I know you and I caught up for dinner quite a few times during this. And it was the most mentally challenging, financially challenging, all that kind of stuff. Like Hazel was working full time. Uh, thank gosh. Um, yeah, you but, were a mess and I always had to pay for dinner. It sucked. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had money to make it. No, no, but no. I'm no. Sitting there. It, was a, it was an interesting time in your life. If, if you yeah. had to put a number on it right over this uh, period of time, how much did you? How much would you think that was like the financial loss through this? Yeah. So if, if I was an exec of a company of that size, like the salary is mid 100, maybe up to 200, which I obviously didn't pay myself. Um, I did a 50 cent debt to the company. So there is a debt on the company for the time that I've allocated, but I, we capped it all. So we came in there knowing that we'd cap it all. So it was like a 50% of a, mar a potential market rate. So from an income perspective, that was missed out on. 
But the main pain was the opportunity cost because there were other doors that were being unlocked, other things that were happening that I had to say no to just so that I could keep this thing alive and just keep it punching forwards. And so it was, yeah, it was personal income from a monthly basis impact uh, plus depleting savings that I had again, uh, but also the opportunity cost of not being able to seize with my time these other opportunities. It's like so, a layered one. It's a very layered one. There's opportunity cost. There's different business opportunity cost as well. Like there's like significant, it's not just the salary opportunity cost of doing the same role. It's like the businesses you shut down, the loaned money as well. Like that yep. could have bought other assets or things along the way. Like very, oh. very interesting that that one comes out. If you, if you could go back in time, which, what would you change? It, it's an interesting one. I think uh, I was quite a bit of a mercenary and obviously – you know uh, a bit about myself. Like I, I love, I was, I'm the first guy to jump on a hand grenade. <laughs> I love it. Throw a problem at me and I dive onto it. I think uh, at that time we probably should have done a better approach of realizing that this was coming prior. So the canary in the coal mine had basically started coughing um, like well before and I'd started sort of communicating, like, hey, something's not quite right here. Um, but other people around me are like, I know it is. And I, I should have done a better job of communicating why and how we should be approaching it because the pain, the pain from a stress level and uh, a complexity on how to solve it level would have been less or we would have known what we were stepping into beforehand. Um, it was like when I was sort of mentioning it sort of six, 12 months prior, everyone's like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's okay. It's going to work itself through. And I said, okay, cool as long as everybody else is on this, like I was in a room with eight people and seven of them were like, no, 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 you're missing something. And I'm like, okay, cool, missing something, no worries at all. Um, I think I should have done better at it, but also don't think that I was, myself and my co-founder were the only ones that could have solved it. I think that we could have got other people to help us solve it who wanted skin in the game and who wanted to do some of these things, um, not just us diving into the trenches and, and digging us out. So Which, by the way- we have dug ourselves out as an eight-figure business and like all these things. Like it, the story is great and it still continues. I was going to say, we should absolutely highlight that this <laughs> does have a good – like this is like I, I, I could completely see a story next that is like, and lost all my money. <laughs> but, to, but totally. And that, that that's kind of where it sits at and that that's the world that we live in. And so, yeah, for me it was financial impacts but also like opportunity cost and all. There's so many layers to it and I'd done it twice. <laughs> So there you go. What about your number two? Make me feel better about myself. Come on. Number two. I tell you what, though, we're already recording long on this. I can see this is going to be a longer episode. We should totally, uh, we're going to actually record the whole list. We might release this over two episodes. All right, done. I feel like it's going to be worth it. Um, Some interesting insights here. I know many of our audience are going to enjoy. Got to listen to part two. Part two. All right, number two. Number two on my list. I'll give you the the outcome first and then I'll come back to the rationalization. So uh, biggest financial mistake number two was actually paying my house off. Yes. All right, everyone listening, Rent Vesta Grant win. Win, 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 win. No, that go, is um, not at all the conclusion <laughs> of this story from here. Right, so I'm going to say um, biggest financial mistake number two is I didn't have a good education when it came to money and wells. Mm. So I had just taken on beliefs that, I, I, to be honest, it's like a, a really big scarcity mindset and then just like a whole bunch of things that I would say are like common. Right? So I'll give you the example is like for Charlie when he's in his 20s, it's just like, all right, buy a house paid off. That's everybody. Everybody's buy a house paid off. Like it's not just you. 
completely. But I look at that as that's like, oh, go to school, get a job. Yeah, exactly. It's like I, I never looked under the surface more. Like I, I was just like made this assumption that if I bought a house and paid off, things would be okay. Mm. And I was like that, you know, dangerous word assumption only to get to the point where I've like bought a house and paid it off. Don't get me wrong, really great position to be in, but then going, okay, well, where's the income going to come from to actually support our lifestyle? I go, oh, this is interesting. And I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, okay, well, it clearly uh, at this point I realized that if you're going to do well in your later years in life, you've got to invest. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just save your money in a bank account in the current environment and live off that. That's a really inefficient way to do it. And then I'm like, oh, I actually have no skills here at all. Like I've worked out how to make money, but I had not at all worked out how to store it, grow it, compound it. And I look to that now and it's like it took me a substantial amount of years to pay off my house. It's not something that I just, you know, did in a year. So I look at that and go, because I didn't have the education sitting under money and wealth that I have today, what it led me to do is just like not play that game well at all. Mm. Now, to give you an insight of like where this kind of looks out to, so I really want to highlight that because I think many people haven't educated themselves around wealth and the things they're likely doing today. And I say likely because it's like I don't know anyone's individual circumstance is that they might be holding on to some things they got from their upbringing around money and then bringing that to be true today. So like, you know, common ones, you know, we just mentioned here about, you know, buy a house paid off. Shares are risky. Don't don't invest in the share market. Like people have that. I had that one as well. Like if you can't touch it, you don't invest in it. Yeah. Right. You know, like all these things that I Try just taken on and Yeah. As least tax as possible. Like <laughs> So in that time, right, I thought about this. I said if I went back in time and this is when I was in the Keith room, by the way, doing it and gone if I had just like instead of just buying my house and paid it off, all I did was buy my house, get it to a reasonable point, and then buy the house next door and pay uh, half of each off. And I did it that way just because it was like a relative value. It was a very yeah, easy thing. I probably wouldn't have bought the house. And I'm like, where would I be today? And I was like, I'm actually not going to say the word on the podcast. This is the type of thing that gets you banned properly. <laughs> <laughs> Feel the pain of a dumb tax. Yeah. Completely. So this is where it's like in that time, if I had simply not been so, uh, had a huge scarcity mindset around money and also a severe lack of education, I would have significantly made a difference in my like net worth position today. Like so huge. But I think it's, it's almost ingrained in us as people to just believe like what peers and other like parents and families and stuff have said to us, like how many people that have had news, books, parents, everything say to them, Hey, Australian dream, buy your home, pay it off. And like all your worries will be whisked away and you'll never have any, like who's going to challenge that? Cause 99% of people that you talk to will probably communicate that way. And so it takes someone from a different sort of, I don't know, different cloth to just go, hang on, just I just want to just double check this. I just want to look at the data. What do the facts tell me to go, huh, there's actually a different way to do this? Maybe the people who were telling me about it weren't actually educated enough to tell me about it or the people in the positions that I want to be in actually approach this very differently. Do you know the thing that burnt me the most on this though? What? Pretend I'd gone that scenario where I bought the next door neighbor's house. 
The part that really hit me was like, or if I fast forwarded, I only needed to pay half the house off and then I could have sold the other one and then I would have only had to have earned half as much money to be in the same position. Yep. <laughs> so like, I was like, oh, that really stings. That stings in, in such a huge way. So, um, yeah. It does, it does come back to that taking the time to reflect on decisions that you have made, both good and bad. Right, because there's very few people who would look back at that as a, a time to learn. Like they would go, win, and you know, don't really don't reflect on your wins. Could you just go, I'll oh, just do that again, right? And so like pay, paying off a house, <laughs> like how many people listening to this would actually just stop and just go, let me just double check this. I'm se- I am secretly proud of that a little bit as well. I won't lie. Like it's, I think it was a huge achievement. I did it by the time I was 30. To pay off a house by 30 was huge. That's massive. Um, but – this is the thing that I think um, I would love a lot of our audience to listen to. For majority of the people in the world who are not going to chase building significant wealth or generational wealth, buying a house and paying it off is actually a really good idea because yeah. the alternative is they do nothing and then they end up in their later years in a situation that is, uh, I'll just say, desperate. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I know of people in that situation and I go, that is not where I want to end up in life. However, like – I ain't doing life to do average. That's not what I signed up for. I'm here to win. Yeah. So like the education, psychology, beliefs, everything that is required to go from like, you know, the average to the exceptional is different. Yeah. So if I want to actually get my point to where I have significant wealth, that strategy isn't going to work. So I can see how I got mixed up in accepting what was common around me Right. It wasn't just that I took on a poor belief, it was the generalized belief. So for the business owners that are out there and the one, likely the ones listening to this podcast, you wouldn't listen to this podcast if you wanted the average, yep. right? You're sitting there and going, oh, we have to accept and I'm getting much better at this today. The decisions you're going to make are going to be different than the average person. The way your life's going to look is going to be different and you have to be okay to sit in that. So uh, even to this point right now, he's like, I'm in a room that is a professional, well, I want to say professional studio, right? Which, you know, any chance to call out the new studio set up, by the way? It looks great. <laughs> yeah, but like how many of my, like, let's go back in time, how many of the kids I went to high school with, is this what they sit in every day? Like this yeah. is their comment. Ah, oh, you spent an hour last night looking at a lighting tutorial or paying someone to consult on the lighting in your room? I'm like... Yeah, that's your life is going to be different if you want to chase these more exceptional things. And it's the same with like I know you and I talk to each other about each morning walking backwards and hanging, <laughs> like, and we get weird looks I at Jim. S- save that for another day. We, yeah, we'll save that for another day. Here's another one. We spent uh, how much did we spend? Like uh, five thousand dollars on a course this month. Correct. And we didn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> All right. So if we went down to the local cafe and, uh, you know, like we, you just accept it's going to be different. The things in your world are going to be different. Anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll move on from that point. I, I just I do, really want to acknowledge it. I do want to, I do want to validate that because this is like the end of part one because that, that point is just going to need to hit home for everybody. It is different. Like it's almost like I personally approach this where if I look like I am matching everybody else, I'm doing something wrong. If someone's calling me weird or like, dude, I don't understand why you're doing that or that means I'm doing something right. If I'm the one going zigging when everyone else is zagging, I give myself a pat on the back and go, great. I might not win, 
But I'm like, at least I'm going in a different direction because I know exactly where those guys are heading. <laughs> and I'm like, I, don't, I just don't want to end up there. I'm just going to be pushing differently. And this is exactly the same for running businesses, investing in um, your assets, et cetera. Uh, but same with paying off your house in your story. That was, that was awesome. Do you know who does a great job of this is Robert Kiyosaki. I will say I have to give him mm. credit on that. He has to be the master of like challenging what everyone else is doing. It's like – when he, when he comes out, I, I must admit he hurt me a little bit when I'm sitting there with my paid off house and he's like, the so house is not an asset. I'm like, you, <laughs> you, <don't know. laughs> you should have just turned him off. He's just like, nah, but that's what everybody else would do. They'd be like, nah, I don't believe you. And then we're, but that's where he speaks to the audience. Well, the rich like don't that. work for money, Grant. Exactly. I'm like, oh, I'm working. <laughs> God, oh, man. So, and then right, you anyway, ran straight I'll, towards the light. All right, everyone, I'm going to jump in. This episode has actually run way too long. And Charlie, it's obvious that we've got way too much to talk about. There's too much value in our pain. Did we turn this into therapy? Did we actually turn this podcast into therapy? We needed to talk about these things. This is our therapy. (laughs) You need to share the pain that you've been in, Charlie. Just lay down on this bed. I don't know if I feel any better. I'm going to tell you right now. I feel worse. I feel terrible. Like I need to go out for a coffee and a big walk after this. I just This is like a decompress. Uh, so anyone who's listening to this, we are going to continue part two in the next episode. So be sure to be subscribed and actually share anything that you're going through, any pain that you have had in anticipation for what Charlie and I are actually going to be releasing in the next episode. And so if you want to comment down below or even head over to Facebook, join the Full Stack Business Owner community and talk to us there. And uh, make sure you share this with other people who might be feeling the same pain because we've got some good juicy stuff coming up. I just want to say thank you again for joining us and we look forward to catching you in part two on the Full Stack Business Owner Podcast.